In last week's Gospel reading, Jesus had gone to the temple and was met there by religious leaders, the elders and the chief priests. They challenged his authority. Jesus told them a story about a vineyard. The vineyard is a reference to ancient Israel used by the prophet Isaiah, among others. Israel is the Lord's vineyard. This was a point not lost on those listening to the story. Jesus tells those who claim the vineyard that outcasts and sinners will get into the kingdom of God before them. In today's gospel text, he tells another story about a vineyard, one that hits those who claim the vineyard for themselves right between the eyes. A landowner plants a vineyard, Jesus said, puts up a fence, digs a pit for a wine press, then builds a watchtower. The point of the story is that the vineyard belongs to the owner, all of it. He leases it to tenant farmers. It is entrusted to them, but they do not own it. They will give the owner his share of the harvest. The owner leaves town, goes to another country, and while he is away, the tenant farmers decide to keep everything for themselves. And when the harvest time rolls around and the owner sends his servants to collect his share of the harvest, the tenants give them a thrashing. They beat one, they kill another, and they stone yet another claiming everything belongs to them. Here the story becomes a not-so-thinly-veiled description of the way those in authority in times past had treated the Hebrew prophets. In Matthew 23, Jesus will tell them point-blank, Woe to you! You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in the killing of the prophets. So, Jesus tells them, you admit that you are the children of those who murdered the prophets. Strong stuff. Like one of the Hebrew prophets, Jesus says in Matthew twenty-three twenty-seven, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you are a city that kills the prophets and stones everyone sent to it. Back to the story of the vineyard. The owner finally sends his son to the vineyard. The son speaks for the father. The son has the authority of the father. The son's word is the father's word. But rather than respect him, the tenants kill him, and they dump his body outside the vineyard, and they claim the vineyard for themselves. At this point, let's jump ahead briefly to Matthew 21, 45 to 46. Jesus' enemies realized that he was speaking about them, and they don't like it. As I said last week, the authority of Jesus the authority from below was a threat to their authority. 
none of this would have been lost on the crowd who was watching and listening. Then Jesus asks a question of those who had been asking him all the questions. Now, what will the owner of the vineyard do when he himself comes back? What will he do to these tenants who beat his servants and killed his son? They answer Jesus' question. He will put those wretches to death, to a miserable death, and give the vineyard to others who will remember that they do not own the vineyard, but have been entrusted with the vineyard in the owner's absence. Jesus then quotes Psalm 118, verses 22 to 23. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and it is marvelous in our sight. If you continue in Psalm 118 to the next verse, verse 24, you will read these words. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That day of rejoicing will be a day of justice and judgment, Jesus says. Then he looks directly at those who question his authority and says to them, like one of the prophets in times long past, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to someone else. Matthew tells us they wanted to arrest him right then and there, but they were afraid of the crowd. When those entrusted with something that does not belong to them take it as their own, there are consequences. When those entrusted with power claim it for themselves, when they tell lies, and threaten those who tell the truth, a truth that has revealed their lies for all to see, there are consequences. Everything will come crashing down around them and it will become clear to all what they tried and failed to do. Take what did not belong to them and claim it for their own. There is a lesson here for our own time to all those who would take what is entrusted to them and then use it for themselves. In claiming what does not belong to them, they bring down judgment on themselves. You can see this played out over and over again in history. There is something in us that wants to have and wants to keep what is not ours, what was never ours, including our own lives. As God tells the rich man in another parable of Jesus in Luke's gospel, a man who has come to believe that his life consists of his possessions, who believes that his life belongs to him, you fool. Tonight, I will demand of you your life itself. You forgot, in other words, that your life never belonged to you that your life was only entrusted to you for a while. You are the tenant, not the owner of your life. The story of the wicked tenants has an ominous ending. 
But the harsh ending should not obscure what the story reveals about the character of God. This is the story of a tenacious, merciful God who keeps trying and trying and trying. It is the story of the God who looks for the best, not the worst, in those who reject his mercy. It is the story of the God who brings down judgment only when everything else has failed. It is the story of the God who believes in us more than we believe in God, who comes looking for us again and again. It is the story of a God who sends his own son to those whose hearts have become hard and selfish and they kill him. But even then, he does not give up. This is a story that looks back to the prophets and looks ahead to the cross. In the background, if you listen carefully, you can hear, like a soundtrack, the words of Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. We are like sheep. All of us have wandered off. All of us have gone our own way. All of us have gone astray. Lest you think this has nothing to do with us, think again. Since the beginning, the church has been claimed by some to belong to them rather than being something that has been entrusted to them. Congregations get into real trouble when they start believing that the church is something that belongs to them rather than to God. Christians get into trouble when they claim that the treasures of the kingdom, God's mercy, grace, justice, and love in Jesus Christ are things to keep, things to protect, rather than to give away. The Ten Commandments were, among other things, a reminder to Israel to whom they belonged. They are still a reminder to us to whom we belong, that our lives are not ours to do whatever we want to do with them. Jesus summarized the whole law in these two commandments. Love God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, give your life away. Your life is not yours to keep. The temptation Paul reminds us in Philippians 3 is to believe that our life is our own accomplishment and possession, that we have a claim on the grace and mercy of God because it belongs to us, because we have earned it, because of our credentials. So Paul says, in effect, I have as much right or more right than anyone to claim as my own the good favor of God, 
to claim the vineyard as my own. I've worked hard to prove just how good I am, how deserving I am to harvest the vineyard for myself. But then, he says, when I compare whatever I have done with the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, I regard everything else as so much garbage. And in letting go of my claim on my life and living instead a life that trusts and receives rather than takes and keeps, I am willing to lose everything that I may gain Christ and be found in him, belong to him. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I press on, he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. In other words, my life no longer belongs to me. It belongs to Jesus. And in this is the greatest freedom. As tenants, not owners, we are free to give our lives back to God with grateful hearts, knowing that the life of the kingdom is not about what we keep, but how much we recklessly give away. The grace and mercy of God revealed in the law of love, revealed in God's word, the psalmist reminds us, is much more precious and to be desired than gold. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, having stood steadfastly against a pagan ideology that claimed to own everything, even life itself, spoke in the last year of his life of what he called a religionless Christianity in a world come of age. Religion, religionless Christianity, a Christianity that relinquishes ownership and trusts God completely. All that is left for Christians, he said, is to share the suffering of God in a godless world. Here we are. In the call to communion are these words. Come not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Today, when we come to this table, we come not as owners, but as grateful tenants for what has been freely entrusted to us. We who have been loaned our lives for a while are grateful. We don't grab the whole loaf, but we receive a small piece, trusting God. We don't drink the whole cup, but we share it with others because it has never belonged to us. It belongs to God and there is more than enough to go around to all those to whom it has been entrusted. Amen. <laughs>